he kind of criticized me for for being too safe. And I was like, well, this is how I play. And if you don't like it, then then fine, walk away. Like you don't have to play with me if that's if you're not if you're not okay with how I play, then forget it. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches this a little different, and at its core, our show is about hearing and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it's important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. It's also important to remember that we aren't doctors or therapists and that we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on this show. One final thing that we need to let you know about is that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. So, if that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you just keep listening until it no longer does. However, if you're under the age of 18, you should probably stop listening or gather up your parents and listen as a family. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 56! Whoa. Whoa. Ten more until another palindrome. No. Okay. Let's skip over that. Let's keep going. (laughs) Moving right along. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with the one and only Dylan and Tonya. I wanted to say Dylan the Thomas, but I... Well, Dylan the Thomas is his his Twitter name. I know. I know. It's Dylan and Tonya. I know. So... From Life on the Swing Set. From Life on the Swing Set. We're not going to ramble much here. We just want to say it's an awesome interview. Give it a listen. Obviously, you're here. And uh, we're going to be at Atlanta Poly Weekend. June 7th through 9th, 2019. In Atlanta, USA. Yeah. Come see us. Check out the conference. And real quick, two things that we want to tell you about. One is hashtag open. Check out their interview from episode 53. Yes, 53. If you don't want to go all the way back and listen to it, basically it's a dating app that is going to just destroy Tinder because it's full of open-minded, sex-positive people creating a safer environment for meeting other open-minded, sex-positive people. Yes. We will be on there, and we hope to see you there. Yeah, and like we've said before, they are just getting started, so they're trying to grow as much as they can. Please go make a profile. Check it out. See if you like it. It's a great resource, and they're doing really good work. So. And real quick, just to clarify, we are not being paid to say this. No. But you know who gets paid if you do sign up? Planned, Planned Parenthood. They get $1 for every person that signs up. Yep. So. If that's not incentive, I don't know what is. No, go do it. All right, let's go. And then listen to the episode. And then let's go talk to Dylan and Tonya, not Dylan and the Thomas. Nope, Dylan and Tonya. All right, we'll see everybody in one hour. All right. Well, then should we just do it? Yeah. By the way, you're our second Life on the Swing set interview this week. We we talked with Ginger last night. Yeah. And so that that really just leaves Cooper, and I uh, I guess we're calling him out right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that assumes you really want him. But you know, I, I understand. We, we all different tastes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank thank you both, Dylan and Tonya, for taking the time out of your winter solstice to yeah. sit down with us and uh, have a little chat over some tea and hot cocoa. Yeah, shortest day of the year for you and longest for us. We're because we're in the yeah. southern hemisphere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, thanks for being willing to uh, to poke us and ask us questions and listen. So yeah, <laughs> and anytime, anytime. That's that's what we get not paid to do. So, uh, <laughs> but the moral of our show. <laughs> so yeah, well, I guess for anybody who's not familiar with life on the swing set and who either of you are. Do you mind sharing maybe a little bit of background on on the two of you where where you come from what what you're into roughly relationship style I guess yeah. and then we'll we'll pry into the, the the details as we go yeah well maybe ten or eleven years ago now uh, we started looking into non monogamy because I had this critical problem of looking and lusting after other women and putting myself in positions where if I wasn't as well behaved as I was, uh, things would happen that would not go well for our relationship. 
And after a particularly intense one of those things happened with a with a, a school teacher, Tonya and I got together. Well, I got together with Tonya and said, listen, I have a thing I want to talk to you about because this keeps happening to me and has happened to me a lot. And the bottom line is I don't want I don't want to lose you and I don't know what this means. So let's talk about it. And so we talked about why my mind and why my heart and why my dick wandered uh, or wanted to wander. And uh, because nothing had happened and because we talked to each other about it and because I was very clear that I wanted to make sure that she knew that this was just a discussion with her and nothing else, but I wanted very much to stay with her, that uh, we were kind of able to talk things through. And surprisingly enough to me, when I actually said maybe we should do something about this, she seemed to jump on it faster than I ever would have. So, <laughs> and, and so you'd kind of, you'd crept up to the line, but never crossed it. It was just something that was very omnipresent. Yeah, I, I wish I could say it was because, I mean, as much as I said I was well-behaved, I can't say that I was terribly well-behaved, you know, just because I didn't end up having my hand up someone's shirt or my, my dick inside somebody didn't mean I was entirely well-behaved. I was more uh, out of control emotionally and physically and barely keeping it under control mentally. Uh, and it was something I was very familiar with, uh, but had been struggling with for a long time. So as much, I was as much reaching out for help at the time as I was reaching out for something to do with those feelings. Mm -hmm. And it just right. turned out that uh, Tony was willing to listen and stick with me through a lot of that uh, until we figured out, Hey, we actually want to do something about it as opposed to this being a problem with me. So, yeah. yeah. And how long had you two been together before that? Uh, we've been together for uh, 19 years. So yeah, at that point we had been together for about eight or nine years uh -huh. and we had had a child together already. So, yeah. yeah, and and so Tony, when he when he came to you with this, I mean, we got a little bit of insight into how how you took it, but what what was going through your mind at that point? I know it was a while ago, but um, a lot of it for me was like I had only been with Dylan, and I had always had the curiosity of like what it'd be like being with someone else and um, having sex with someone else, and so. It was kind of like an easy route to say, okay, yes, I think I can do this. And so you went right to the the personal potential benefits rather than focusing <laughs> on him wanting to get what he wants. Yeah, I mean, I figured it would probably be easy for, <laughs> for him to, you know, he had already kind of uh, been interested in it for a while and so like I figured it was easy for him but as someone who's kind of introverted I figured it might be a little bit harder for me so yeah I mean we both uh we both agreed it was something that I that we could both do and for me it was also just getting those nerves of the initial going at it you know doing it for the first time once I did it with the first time with someone who I felt really comfortable with I felt comfortable doing it and said, okay, yes, I can definitely do this for good. Right. Yeah. And what did it look like in those early stages? How, what was the... What was what, the approach? Yeah, what was the approach? What did, what did it look like? Well, we got kind of lucky in the beginning because we ended up being discovered by a couple that we'd already known, uh, and that was Cooper and, and his wife at the time. Uh, and so they had been trying it out for, you know, maybe nine months before us and gave us a little bit of a leg up instead of uh, even though as much exploring on the Internet as I personally did in figuring out what was going on. Is this called swinging uh, whatever we want to do, like because we didn't know what we wanted to do, uh, having another couple there that were guiding us to what their solution was uh, and they were interested in helping us figure out whether that was a good solution for us helped a lot. Uh, if we didn't have uh, a first couple, I'm not sure where exactly we would have landed first or if we would have ended up, ended up being as successful as we ended up being. So the first time was literally just being in the same room uh, with Cooper and his wife and knowing that we were all people that could potentially sleep with each other and getting comfortable with that idea. And they were both very sweet about it and patient about it and answered a lot of questions and 
probably dealt with a lot of awkward flirting for me because I'd been so out of practice uh, <laughs> with good flirting for a long time. Uh, but uh, out of all of that, we did end up having a lot of good coupling experiences, you know, full swap experiences with them. And they introduced us to a whole cohort of friends that they had. And we had a lot of good experiences with them. And then after, you know, the first few months, we kind of figured out what our, maybe not cadence was, but what our preferences were. Uh, Cause I mean, everybody was great no matter what, but we were just excited to be part of the team at that point. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, we probably, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for you. I probably slept with a bunch of people uh, or at least got a little intimate with a bunch of people that I wasn't otherwise interested in, but because they were new and they were interested and willing, I was like, yes, give me all of this. This is all great. And uh, (laughs) I I was very bright eyed and bushy tailed. I mean, I think the first like month or two we had sex. I, I can't even count (laughs) Uh, between just the two of us and with other people like, it was like every day <laughs> for like two months straight because I think we were all like, oh, this is shiny. Mm-hmm. We got to do it all. Had, and leading up to that, had your the sex life between the two of you, had it been on like a downtrend or, or was it always pretty good and this just built on that? I have an opinion, but I want to hear yours first because uh, I'm actually curious. I don't know if we're squared up on this. So, um, I will admit that I like didn't have much of a sex drive. And I think that um, being non-monogamous has definitely helped that in lots of different ways. Uh, yeah. Are you, are you feeling the same way? Yeah. I, I feel like, I mean, the sex that we did have was pretty good, but it didn't happen as often. And I, uh, I do have a higher sex drive in general than Tonya does. So not being intimate a lot or not being intimate very much hit me in an area where, which also left me uh, a little more vulnerable to being interested in other people, even when they didn't know what to do about that. So the fact that we both ramped up to, you know, to 500%, uh, <laughs> it was, it was a buffet and I could, I had a lot to consume. Yeah. So you probably um, a few weeks into that were like, what the hell just happened to my life? Like, <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and so I, I'm curious now, the imbalance in the libidos, did that ever pose an issue in the lifestyle in, on the swinging side of things, being that you weren't completely aligned in terms of meeting with other couples, or were you both at that point, did it, did it bring you up to level? I don't think it ever brought us up to the same level. Uh, what we ended up finding is that uh, I'm a lot faster to hop in bed with somebody, and I'm a lot more likely to be in bed longer with somebody uh, just because of our preferences. And we didn't figure that quite out right away. So I think Tonya had a lot of good humor about the fact that I was my, that my foot was uh, you know, firmly on the accelerator uh, all the way to the floor. And, and I think I got lucky a few times that we'd meet couples that saw that we were a little imbalanced and kind of slowed the whole thing down so that I didn't end up uh, putting pressure on Tonya to, to get with somebody else or putting pressure on somebody else to kind of complete the foursome. Like I, I had a good respect for the fact that it was hard enough to get two people together that were in sync. To get four people together in sync was... Uh, you know, another magnitude of difficulty. So uh, as much as I wanted to put the foot to the accelerator and whenever there was somebody or somebody's there that were ready to put the foot to the accelerator, I definitely did. But uh, I don't think that uh, the imbalance presented in bad ways with us. It was just something we had to figure out. But again, if you disagree with me, that's totally cool. I want to, I want to. No, I mean, I, (laughs) I agree with that. I, uh, I mean, I can generally ramp up to that level. It just sometimes takes a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we can all relate to that. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask you, Tony, have you noticed that the swinging and non-monogamy has improved your confidence or I guess for both of you has it improved confidence and I guess you're just feeling more sexual? Uh definitely. As someone who's very introverted, it definitely helps me break out of my shell sexually and just personally. It kind of 
especially when I feel comfortable or really know someone very well, like I can, it's not a problem. Um, you know, going to like a swing clubs, I still sometimes have a hard time, like gaining that confidence back up with mm-hmm. a bunch of people I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm more of the, you know, house party where I know everybody, you know, just a more comfortable atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Be, both being introverts, I think that's something that we we know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and have there, I mean, it sounds like the, the imbalance in libido wasn't really an issue. It sounds like approaching Tonya at the beginning about getting into this wasn't an issue. Have you Have you come across anything that presented an issue for either of you or that that you didn't think was going to be an issue and then it snuck up on you. Yeah. And, and I'll just say real quick before answering that, the, all of the difficulty approaching Tonya was in my own head and preloaded. So like I had done a lot of that and I feared the worst and I just got very, very lucky that, that, Again, Tonya was willing to kind of stick with me and listen um, through all that. Well, and but, real quick before we before we cruise on past that, for anybody who's listening that's maybe trying to come up with the words to to approach their partner, what what were some of the things that you did to try and create a sort of an insurance policy around? I, I can bring this up to her and not let it destroy us. We know you're asking. We're asking to reach back into like ten years ago, but. <laughs> Uh, I know that I I let her know that I was struggling with something and I wanted to talk to her about it, but I was really afraid to talk to her about it because it's a thing that's really hard for couples to talk about because it involves, you know, feelings about other people. But I made it really clear early on that I wasn't going to do anything with those feelings and that I didn't want anything to change necessarily with our relationship and that I loved her and that I was there for her and that I wasn't going anywhere. Uh, and that made it sound really, really epically bad, right? Like <laughs> you build something up and you, you qualify things a lot. You know, you make it sound something look like it's going to be a seismic event. But I think yeah. that I just got lucky between being vulnerable and asking for help and also saying that I wasn't going to be doing anything while we were talking, that maybe it hit a good combination that, made you trust me enough to kind of stick with the conversation. Yeah. I mean, we, we definitely had discussed different options or ideas before we had met our first couple who, you know, were swingers. None of them ever made sense. So we were just like, yeah, whatever. We'll put that in the closet, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> leave that for another you know day to talk about. Um, we thought about getting a couple's massage at a skeezy spa looking place. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> or the threesome with like some random person we didn't want to be friends with anymore. Oh yeah. One. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. That could have been really bad. None of them ever made any sense. I was like, yeah, um, hmm, no, not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to run through those ideas, right? Just to brainstorm. It doesn't hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so the other part of that question was struggles. Struggles. Yeah. So where, where did the struggles come in? If, if any communication about when we were actually going to get down with somebody was a big problem early on uh, because Tonya would disappear and I wouldn't know where she was. And I kept saying to myself, it's fine if she's with somebody else. It's fine if she's with somebody else. But it hit me in a bad spot not knowing if she was with somebody else. And so I'd find myself uh, going into these loops of, don't go look for her. She'll be fine. You're just going to get mad if you see her with somebody else. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily because I wanted Tony to ask me or anything like that. I just kind of wanted to know so I wouldn't worry about it. And so a few times early on, uh, that was a bit of a problem. And it's really funny. I don't think I had a problem early on letting her know that I was about to get down with somebody. Uh, if we weren't doing couples stuff, of course. But mm-hmm. that actually has been a little bit of a problem lately. <laughs> we've uh, squared up on that to make it very clear that unless we are in different states, we should just drop each other a note to let it, uh, you know to let each other know that we're going to get down if it's going to happen in this house. Because uh, walking in on that is really uncomfortable, 
and um, and that just recently happened. So it's kind of funny <laughs> to come full circle the other way, where that used to be her problem, and now it's my problem, and we're still working on it. You know, ten years later. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about learning from your mistakes. Uh huh. Um, and early on, I made a lot of weird mistakes of like, like he was talking about the like me disappearing, but it wouldn't be at like um like a swinger event or anything. It would be at like a, a regular party <laughs> that I'd go off with someone <laughs> and then everyone would be looking for me. And it wasn't just him looking for me. It was people wanting to say goodbye to me mm-hmm. and then making it uncomfortable with him figuring out, Oh, she's probably with someone else. So I'm not sure where she is. <laughs> so then we, we keep up with the, the understanding and rule. Not yeah, I would say it was a rule well, at yeah. first um, of like checking in with each other, that everything was okay, but just to check in with each other. Hey, I'm going to go ha- do something with some so-and-so, um, just letting you know. Um, that way we always kind of knew where we were. Yeah, so it was never a, a you know, when Dylan said, oh, I, I didn't want to go looking because I didn't want to get mad. It was never a jealousy thing. It was like you and 17 of your other friends were literally on a scavenger hunt <laughs> for, for your wife. Yeah, yeah, pretty much so. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> has, has jealousy ever, ever come up since I brought it up conveniently for, for myself? Proud of yourself there. So I know that, that I've definitely felt jealous before, especially when we'd be at uh, events where Tony would be much more desired than I would, or at least I felt that way. And it still creeps up every so often, but it doesn't really come out of the jealousy didn't necessarily come out of the fact that she was having a good time and I wasn't, or that she was more desirable than I wasn't. It was just, I can't, I'm not even sure I can assign it to anything in particular. It's more like I felt left out and I needed to figure out how not to feel left out. And the more I focused on feeling left out, I felt left out. Uh, And it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And I think it's a kind of jealousy when that happens. So, you know, I wasn't jealous that you were, you know, getting an orgasm or getting played with or getting all the attention. It was just, well, what do I do now? Do I play a support role? Do I grab a cheese dish and start feeding people that are in the orgy that you're in the middle of? Or do I continue to... I don't know. And and I found good solutions for that, but... And I think that was before we figured out the whole, like, voyeurism is participation type deal, too. Like, early on, like, we didn't know it was okay to just sit down and, and watch and enjoy what was going on and, and the atmosphere that was around us. So I think that that might have been a little part of the whole, like, jealousy when one of us was sort of left out. Yeah. Learning yeah. to be cool was really important for me, so... <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. I was curious. Have you, each of you, have you had some aha moments over the last ten, eleven years in doing this that something just clicked for you, and you're like, ah, that's that's the thing that I was. That was the missing piece. It was understanding that the quietly confident is my style. Uh, and uh, in order to be quietly confident, I had to learn to be cool with whatever was going on and to kind of not go into an event or even into a, uh, an encounter with people where I was expecting to get it on uh, or that if I didn't get it on, something had been a failure. So, like, setting my own expectations and learning to be cool with whatever happened meant that I was happy to be wherever I was. I was enjoying myself more, and that ended up presenting as kind of a, a cool confidence that has resulted in me having a lot more fun with people because a lot of people are attracted to that. Some people are attracted to being the life of the party uh, or to people that are the life of the party. Some people are attracted to a lot of other different things, but the kind of people that I'm generally attracted to seem to generally be attracted to people that have quiet confidence. Mm -hmm. And it's worked out really nicely because I do, there are not many times that I end up going into a space and I don't have a good time. And it's because most of the time I'm end up playing with somebody, uh, even if it doesn't happen right away. But even if I don't, I'm just enjoying what's going on and it's all good. And mm-hmm. that leaves a good impression for people in the future if we all end up being in the same room in the future. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think part of that, too, is just being being okay. Like you said, if something happens, awesome. If not, that's awesome, too. I still get to go home with my wife at the end of the night, and we're still in a loving, committed relationship, and that you're, you know, you're not, your night's not going to be a failure if you don't get to hook up with somebody else. I do admit saying to myself at the end of the night, I get to hit that was uh, very effective. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've always made it a point to like after a night out of um, coming home and being with each other, um, yeah. reconnecting with each other. And that's no matter uh, how late it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yep. mean, even like going next morning to, to, to have that like reconnection, um, we've, we've done that too. Mm-hmm. It's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, any, any thoughts on the revelation from your side, Tony, or do you want to move on to a, a better, less deep question? <laughs> I'm throwing the, I'm throwing the hard balls out there. Big aha moment was, um, discovering that I was bisexual. That's a good one. I always thought women were pretty unattractive, but growing up, I, was kind of sheltered from, you know, gays and lesbians and trans people. So I didn't really know what to do with any of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, being able to kind of test that out and see if I really enjoyed that. Um, and I remember my first experience being really, really awesome and realizing that, yeah, I am really attractive, attracted to women. And uh so it's kind of nice to be able to be able to to explore that and uh, have yeah. a lot more variety in people. <laughs> yeah, something that you didn't even know was there, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I discovered that in my what late twenties. That mm-hmm. yeah, so for <laughs> me it was really late, <laughs> and so yeah, it was it was a cool a cool thing to discover. Yeah. I wanted to ask, have you, it sounds like your journey has been, you know, like eight or 10 years. Have, have you mostly stuck to like the swinging, like party, house party style, or has it evolved at all? Oh, it's definitely evolved into, um, you know, we started off with the whole swinging thing. And then uh, probably I'm going to say like five years later, started dipping our toes more into... Um, the poly aspect of non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we def- I I have been more prolific at dating other people than than Tony has, uh, but I found that we just had yeah I definitely dated more people than Tonya did and and has so far. Um, it just kind of came more naturally to me that I had more people in my life. Like I have the additional emotional space to support multiple people multiple partners, multiple loves in my life. But it's nice that we both have respect for each other's speeds in the dating world. And it's nice that we both have respect for each other's speeds in just, you know, lots of casual fun. Because our casual fun, uh, I like going to clubs. We haven't been to a club in a bit. And I'd like to try and do that. And actually, we're going to, uh, we're actually going to a really, really big hotel takeover called Naughty and All. Or, Sorry, we're going to that, too. We're going to Naughty Nolans, too. But we're heading up to Valentine's in Niagara in about a month and a half, uh, which is you know, a, a huge hotel takeover. Uh-huh. Uh, and that hasn't been our speed in a while, but I'm looking really forward to getting into it because I still have that speed in me. And uh, so, yeah, we've been doing the house party route quite a bit, both hosting and going to other people's parties. The reason we've stuck with the house party scene for so long is because... Uh, of the freedom that it affords. Like we, we end up going there. We don't end up coupling up a lot, but we can still kind of watch each other play across the room, give each other a nod and a wink and then continue, you know, being inside of somebody or having somebody inside of us. And um, it's really cool to like be comfortable, go into an environment that we're comfortable with because it's small enough that we know where both, you know, where we are and confident enough in each other that we can play in ways that we're both comfortable with and with as many people as we're comfortable with and then come out of that going like, so, Hey, what did you do at the party? I don't know. What did you do at that party? And we kind of square up at the end of the party and a space that's bigger than a house. It's a little harder to do that. 
I mean, we do, but there's a little less comfort involved. And so we have to spend a little more time getting comfortable with people as opposed to automatically going in and being comfortable with the environment. So we still go to clubs and we obviously go to larger swinger events, but I think our preferred speed is still going to a house party where we know at least a couple people that are hosting or hosting our own because uh, we know how to throw a good bacchanalia. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to also ask, so like you, you transitioned right from more swingers to dating other people did you encounter I guess how did that conversation go did you just kind of naturally evolve into that space or did you have a lot more conversations around uh, what that might how that might change your relationship so I admit I'm actually going to ask you to fill me in a little bit Tonya because I remember what I felt and that I wanted to try and give it a try and then I remember going to Burning Man and unlocking some stuff, right? Oh yeah. And so you but, went to the camp, right? Yeah. We went to the camp. So I, I I stayed at a at a polyamorous camp in Burning Man, uh, and had a wonderful time. I had a bit of a a playa wife for you know a few days, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thing that happens out there whether you're non-monogamous or not. But <laughs> I I don't remember the conversation surrounding that stuff when I got home. So I'm gonna hope you can fill me in there. I'm not even sure we really had a conversation. Nope. I think it just kind of like took its course down that path. Like, I think that I think you go into Burning Man and I think like, uh, I'll sure be cats being the, mm. the, the poly one on the podcast, I think really kind of opened our eyes into a different type of non-monogamy and, you know, one that could easily be comfortable going down that path. I think we're both blaming Shirabi cats for attempting to, <laughs> to dip our toes into polyamorousness. So, yeah. So maybe you just, it, it was, sounds like it was pretty natural then. Yeah. I think it was pretty clear early on that we were both kind of wired for it. Uh, we could have easily ended up hitting a roadblock with one of us being interested in it and one of us not. And so uh, this whole, you know, trying out non-monogamy thing, I think we both got incredibly lucky because we both happened to be wired for it you know in different quantities and in different ways but we're still ready for it so we also kind of found it for a while we found that like there were a lot of poly people that just really like to have sex so it kind of had that like oh yeah swinger feel mm-hmm. for a while and i think that that just made that easier to go down that path it was like we'd go on a date with someone get to know someone and then they don't want to have sex and it was like oh okay like this is easy yeah i forgot we had a bunch of gateway poly people that got us into poly and then as a result of that we ended up being the gateway swingers for a bunch of poly people (laughs) so it sounds like the the two worlds aren't so far apart at the end of the day i really don't think so I, i think a lot of the the difference between poly and swinger folk is that poly folk like to think they're different and swinger folk like to think they're different. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of common components. I mean, there are definitely different focuses, right? Like uh, swingers are used to evaluating somebody's interest in getting down quickly and evaluating their own attraction to somebody very quickly. Whereas poly people in general are more focused on uh, whether, you know, again, Gross generalizations here, but a lot more focus goes on, is this person going to be compatible with the network of partners that I have? Uh, Is this person going to respect the other partners in my life? Uh, Are they going to fit with the arrangements that I have with work and family? Things like that. Uh, And and yes, the sex is there for both of them. The the managing multiple relationships is still there for both of them. Uh, Lots of common threads, just the focus is somewhere else. And so I I compare being a swinger and getting all that evaluation done quickly as like a, a, a a speed dating thing. Whereas with poly folk, you have, you know, a good 30 minutes to get all of those things out and the, the sexiness kind of comes later. So I think it's all mixed in there. It's just in different focuses and, you know, comes in at different times. For me also, I think it comes from like, I like to get to know people before having sex. Mm-hmm. And so I think that forcing myself to get to know people in the swinger culture and then kind of translating that to poly has made that easier. Cause I, I just, 
I have to have that like connection. It doesn't need to be that poly connection, but I have to have some kind of connection to someone before I decide that I want to, you know, go and have fun with someone. Right. Right. Yeah. So you may, you may not have to be in love with them, but you at least need to have a little more of a, more rapport Mm -hmm. than just, Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> Which I think is pretty common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we didn't think it was that common at all. We thought that we were gonna be uh super different because of some of the early people that we met at clubs, but it turns out, yeah, most of the people we met actually were okay with talking while and feeling each other out for a while, maybe even going on more than one date before we fuck. Oh my god. And uh <laughs> I know there are settings that a lot of dating sites for like, do you fuck on the first date? But the default is almost always yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. just getting to know people and being able to to hang out with people outside of Sween and and poly and not all sorts of different types of non-monogamy is also a really good feeling too. Or you know, being have a normal party and ha- still hang out and it'd be normal. Or you know, play dates with kids. Or you know, yeah, those, those and, friendships, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was curious. Have most of your most has most of your friend group transitioned to a lifestyle core, at, or or do you still have some of those vanilla friends who aren't in the know and and you're you're still kind of keeping it a secret? We have several different groups of people in various like other activities other than non-monogamy that we're of people we're friends with. You can say roller um, derby. It's okay. <laughs> well, there's roller derby and there's board gaming and, um, and some of that kind of intermingles with each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, as we've kind of recently discovered. I'll, I'll offer my experience, but like you feel free to interrupt me at any time. If okay. you remember what you're thinking of, uh, early on, I had a pretty core group of, male friends that I used to hang out with a lot. And when I found the lifestyle, I and I started talking to them about it, they found it so foreign to them that it was affecting our ability to be around each other and be comfortable. Uh, also because I think maybe I was threatening because I could potentially sleep with their wives and they were afraid of that. Mm-hmm. And even though I had zero designs on their wives, I think just knowing that there was somebody in the room that could do that or that was free to do that uh, introduced, you know, an unsafe person or a danger. And so I felt a lot of distance that felt very physical between them. And I ended up kind of letting them go at some point because I, we, we grew apart. Like we never quite healed that rift, but it wasn't that uh, I did anything to them. It's just, I'd made a choice, a personal choice and they weren't willing to kind of follow me along in that. Uh, I wasn't asking for anything additional of them. And I was like, you know what? Those are not the kind of friends I need. I would like to have friends that are willing to kind of, I'm not even asking for any support, just be friends. Let's spend fun time together doing whatever we decide to do. And if we have vastly different personal lives, that's cool. I'd love to hear about it and I'd love to talk about it. Uh, And so a lot of friends that I found through swinging and then through polyamory ended up being my friends in other areas of my life because they were willing to follow me along in whatever I ended up doing. So in, you know, my eight years of roller derby in all the, the board gaming and computer gaming and, and other stuff that we do, like they're friends. And some of them do that with us because they're interested in that too. And so I do have a lot of friends that aren't non-monogamous, but the core group of friends right now are all non-monogamous in some way or another because they're, they've been willing to be part of my life and let me into their lives, even if it doesn't necessarily mean we're boning. And the ones that, you know, aren't in the lifestyle, aren't non-monogamous, at least have a understanding that, that they're okay with it, that they know that we have a healthy relationship. You know, I don't ever have to talk about it with them, but if they want to ask questions, they can ask questions and I'd be happy to answer. Um, some people want to hear about it. Some people don't. Yeah. And that's cool with me. Right. But you feel like you have that support, which is the, I think the important part, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah the support is nice. And knowing that they're not like being judgmental, <laughs> like right. 
I've had a little bit of that, you know. Yeah. For sure. I know that changing topics a little bit, unless you have something on that same topic. No, not really. I got a good question, but I'll wait till later. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I know on the podcast, you all of you stress safer sex very heavily. And I wanted to just touch on it on this podcast on how you two handle that in, in non-monogamy. And, and how has it evolved over right. time, if at all? We've definitely gone through some pretty significant evolutions, but I'll tell you where we are right now. Knowing our status is really important and knowing the status of the people we're going to be with is pretty important. So for our part, uh, we both get tested every six months on a staggered basis. So for me, it's every six months, and but every three months after I get tested, she gets tested. Uh, and if there's any reason to get tested in the middle, we do, and it's no big deal. Uh, and we kind of check in with people that we're with to make sure they're getting tested regularly too and that we know uh, their statuses before we enjoy time with them, and mm-hmm. that generally goes well. Uh, but in the beginning, we were definitely people that used... Uh, condoms on cocks and didn't use any other protection. Uh, I would say that we didn't know there were other options out there at the time, Uh, but my primary motivator is that I love giving oral sex. And uh, Tony wasn't terribly motivated with that, so I had a lot of oral sex uh, without, without barriers with people back then. And through some good conversations with some sex educators and a bunch of other people. Uh, we ended up pulling back from that a little bit and uh, got to the point where we got good enough using barriers that all of our sexual contact uh, with genitals involved barriers. And so that might be, uh, you know, saran wrap uh, while giving oral. That would mean, you know, gloves on hands uh, if we're going to be with multiple people. Uh, and you know things like that, uh, in addition to, to condoms on cocks and things like that. But and we did that across the board. And theoretically, we might have been able, we might have been willing to open that up. But nobody ever came along that meant enough to us that made us comfortable to do that. Mm-hmm. And a little of that might have been out of fear, and a little of that might have just been a counter reaction to what we had done before, knowing that we had been so cavalier with having oral sex with so many people. Uh, But, you know, now that we're 10, almost 11 years into this, we've actually spent a lot of time over the last year talking about reevaluating that. And so we've come to the conclusion that if we're going to end up going to a swing event where we're going to be with a bunch of people that we don't know, yeah, we're going to use barriers for, uh, you know, for oral, uh, not without a problem and without fail. But if we're in a house party with a bunch of people that we know that we've kind of talked to ahead of time we're comfortable with, I think oral sex without barriers is okay. And so we're evaluating it on a situational basis. We're evaluating it on a person-to-person basis. And so far, we've been comfortable uh, exploring oral with people without barriers as long as we have that comfort level and that you know common knowledge of testing status and play practices and things like that. So uh, we may evolve again, but we've, again, kind of come uh, a little bit around the horn on that. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely people that we've, we both um, agree upon, like, okay, that person we've been with several times, we know their status, we know um, they get tested regularly. There are definitely people that we've kind of, I'm going to say the two of us have vetted that we'd mm-hmm. be okay with, like, letting our guard down a little bit. Yeah, I think that makes sense, and it's a good approach. I, I agree. Yeah, and I, I'm curious. You know, I think that's one of the more uh, stringent approaches we've heard, and I know we kind of knew that going in, that that was sort of your approach. Have Did you ever encounter pushback from people, or did you largely use it as a as a sort of a learning opportunity to show and be a, an advocate and a promoter for ways to do it without it, you know, killing the mood or, or detracting from the, the sexiness that was about to ensue. (laughs) Yeah. I've had pushback a little bit. Um, 
we a few years ago went to a uh, a house party of people we didn't know. You know, a really great house party that started off with like a welcoming circle and trying to like do little scenarios with different people and just you know testing the waters and stuff. And then, but there were a lot of people at this party, and one of them was you know going through your status and telling them how they how you play and blah 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 and I partnered up with this this man and he he kind of criticized me for for being too safe and I was like well this is how I play and if you don't like it then then fine walk away like you don't have to play with me if that's if you're not if you're not okay with how I play then forget it goodbye (laughs) you know yeah, I, I will find someone who is okay with playing that way. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and and to be really brief, like for me, uh, I haven't gotten a lot of hard pushback. I've gotten a lot of you know in the moment somebody wants to go down on me, and I let them know, uh, you know, hang on a second, I actually would like to put a condom on if you're going to go down on me, and then we have a little discussion, and then sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Some people have uh, bigger issues with having you know the you know latex uh or the taste of latex in their mouths or the lube in their mouths or things like that and then it ends up being you know for some people oral is off the table at that point and the thing is even though that thing may happen in a sexy situation there are so many other things that we can do to enjoy ourselves that that one little hiccup ends up getting overshadowed by the overall fun that we're having elsewhere yeah. So if if that particular first of all, uh, when, whenever I'm going to get down to somebody like that, I let them know up front, almost all the time what you know my practices are. There are exceptions when you know I'll get past that point or things will happen so quickly that that doesn't happen. But even then, most of the people that I play with aren't the kind of people that are like, oh well, I can't have your dick in my mouth unprotected. Well then, ah, I just don't want to be with you. Or you know, if you don't have your tongue on my clit right now, I'm just not going to be okay with this. Uh, I like to think that a lot of the pre-discussions we have kind of disqualify people like that because there are people like that out there. Uh, but it's been a long time just because I disclose pretty quickly, but then keep things rolling in a sexy way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think that's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and I agree. We appreciate the sharing. Uh, but having said that, I fucking love pussy. So <laughs> it is really, really nice. I just I, I'm holding to his hand right now. Uh, I love that uh, I can go down on people now. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't think we were conflating that you like to use protection that you dislike uh, pussy. Right. <laughs> oh, no, no, I know. <laughs> that was, uh, I just wanted to say it because it felt good to say that's all. <laughs> well, you're, you're welcome to say it anytime. Uh-huh. Uh, no problem. <laughs> so... I was curious, nope. board gamers, fellow board gamers. Yeah, you're good question. What what is what is a, a board game that was not intended for sexy purposes that you have just defiled and <laughs> and found ways to make it adult friendly? Because we're always looking for ideas. I think that adult code names. I, although I guess that can be. Yeah, it like a, a defilable game is adult code names. Uh, it's almost harder to play with a bunch of sexy perverts because everybody knows that everything is perverted and everything can mean everything else. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. It, it adds a lot of complexity to to adult code words in a way that we didn't really expect. Uh, <laughs> so. Well. And it was fun. The last time we sat down and played adult code names was with Mixed Company. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, we discovered some people were also non monogamous after that. Yes, we did. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a fun a, way to turn, find out. <laughs> Uh, the the first game though the prototype game that we absolutely defiled was uh, Settlers of Catan. We don't play it anymore, but uh, the amount of wood flinging that <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was just a sheep for wood thing. A sheep for wood. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was impressive. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think we've all played that. And and uh, maybe you can't you can't get him to commit to a trade, but you can throw in a little sexual en- enticement. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I yeah. have gone to a naked board gaming party. Yes, Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And it was just there is nothing sexy about it. No, no. Oh, I doubt that. I was going to no, say there, it sounds pretty there sexy. Was no, well, <laughs> there is no sexual con- contact going on. It was just literally getting naked and board gaming, and it was fantastic. Yep. Yeah, that would be an amazing night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I will say if we're going to get together with a bunch of people that we're going to get down with, uh, but we all want to have dinner first, a good way to sp- to put a little space between dinner and fucking is to play a board game. Yeah. It's it's one of our favorite things. And then the problem for us, though, is we love, we love playing board games so much that sometimes we forget that we're supposed to also have sex. We don't forget. <laughs> we struggle with the transition. I think I'm that's... Like, just, just one more game. Come <laughs> on, we can do one more. It's only a three-hour well, game. We ha- we tried to have a... Uh, oh, yeah. ...board game sexy night, and again, failed at the transition to the yeah. sexy part. So we don't have any answers for you, because we haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the drawing board. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We're trying. And maybe it just happens to be naked board gaming. Maybe we just need to get naked at the beginning. And Yeah, I suspect that for a uh, a party with board gamers that are all planning or hoping to have sex, that we need to set a cutoff time for the board gaming. Like, okay, 30-minute timer now, 5-minute timer now. Okay, if you're still playing board games, you're doing it at your own risk. There may be fluids involved, and then go from there. <laughs> so yeah. we'll try yeah. that out. Countdown. <laughs> yeah. We we did a we did a version of Seven Wonders. It wasn't necessarily sexual, but it was we we found strip. a way to make it a strip game. Yeah. Oh. But so, that was with Vanilla Friends. It was with Vanilla Friends, but yeah, we oh. we were able to we were able to to yeah. We, we, it actually we, worked yeah, out really well. Yeah. So they were we'll have to post the rules online. To get naked. <laughs> Yeah, I would love. Send me a link uh, because I would love to know. We are big fans of Seven Wonders. Yeah, I'm intrigued by this now. I'll have to see if I can get him to send me the list. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 post the list. We'll find a way to post the list uh, for that's sure. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, well maybe that's a good transition though into swinging or poly bloopers. Yeah, one I'm of just our, say our that. favorite segments. Not that we have segments, but if we did, this would be a segment. <laughs> Do either of you have one that you're willing and uh, able to share of something funny that you did or happened to you? Or awkward. Awkward. We love awkward. I've got one. Uh, Tonya's thinking. Okay. Okay. uh, I am a big fan of the Enjoy Pure Wand. And it does a great many things for me and the people that I end up using it on. Uh And there was one person that I was with that... uh, and playing with her, she hadn't seen the Pure One before. Uh, she loved G-Spot stimulation. And so I put it in her and was really slow and deliberate about it. And over the course of a couple hours, you know, just built her up to an enormous fucking release. And to the, to the point where she was she was crying uh, in, in a really beautiful way. Like, I, there was no mistaking that this was a good cry. But at the end of it, I was also pretty exhausted because we had I'd been playing with her for a couple hours and I was probably using the pure wand for almost an hour. And, um, and, and the thing is, this is a thing that is curved and if you let it go, it will flop over one way or another. And I was exhausted enough and I was relieved enough and happy enough and all that stuff that I just kind of let it go. And of course that curve also turned around inside of her. And so in the midst of, you know, her being blissed out, she kind of sat up for a second and said, did you just let go of that thing while I was inside? And you're like, oh, God. <laughs> and um, I, I righted the ship. Uh, I ended up taking it out of her at that point. Uh, and we had a good laugh cry about it. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> that would catch you off guard all of a sudden. Well, went, yeah, well, anybody who's not familiar, that's a, a stainless steel. Basically, you were lifting weights for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lightweight, but yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although, now that I think about it, no, I, I don't want to undersell that. Uh, if you're using the Pure One right, you can be applying pressure 
by, you know, lifting and pulling. And so, you know, doing that repetitive motion over the course of an hour, that's, that's a lot. So yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll own that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I would too. That's a lot of work. (laughs) Well, well, Tonya stumped. We'll let, we'll let her off the hook because that's the type of hosts we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Let's see. Anything else? Do we have any other questions? I mean, we could talk all night, but I feel like, I mean, it's winter solstice. <laughs> <laughs> summer solstice for it's us. Summer solstice. Yeah, we should. I guess we'll give you the platform right now, the, the, the open forum to share any final thoughts that either of you have that that you want to yell into the podcast universe? To, yeah, to the or listeners? plug anything too. Well, I I want to appreciate that you are offering uh, opportunities for people to kind of tell their stories because uh, it's super valuable and it's something that I don't make enough time to do. So, uh, thank you for going and reaching out to people and interviewing them and putting their stories out there. Uh, I think it's great. And thanks for giving us an opportunity to do it, too. And if I were to offer a shout-out, it would be that I do have my own podcast. It's called Life on the Swing Set. You can find it at lifeontheswingset.com. We are up to almost 350 episodes, and that is a very scary thing. So <laughs> that <laughs> we've is gone very like nine impressive. iterations of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very amazing. impressive. Yeah, for sure. And I will, I will, I will throw on to that that... You were the basically the first lifestyle podcast that we ever found because oh, yeah. you you happened to launch almost exactly when we really started trying to get into it, not full time, but more yeah more in depth. So yeah, we started listening from day one, and yeah, we've been on the ship ever since. And you were very, the podcast was very fundamental in our early discussions. Uh, we were learning right along with you. So that was amazing. Well, good. And uh, you know what? I hope that the learning that I'm still doing and the stuff that we're still doing is valuable to somebody out there too. So I'm glad it helps with you too. And that it's obviously, obviously you two are doing something very right. So. <laughs> oh, thank well, you. We're trying at least. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else, or Tanya, would you like to add anything? Um, to piggyback on that, yeah, it's, I've learned a lot from hearing other people's stories and um, or experiences, and so I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. I think there's not enough of like people sharing their experiences, and uh, I think it's a valuable lesson to people just starting out. Yeah, well, thank you, and thank you both for that, and anybody listening that's a call out for you to share, <laughs> share your damn stories because yeah. people are learning from them yes exactly so yeah well thank you for all the kind words and stroking our egos <laughs> yes we appreciate it mm-hmm. and thank you for your time and making the effort to come on the show too we really appreciate it happy to do it yeah thank you And once again, thank you for coming on and have a wonderful evening. I hope you two do too. We we will. We definitely will. (laughs) Good night. We're back again. We still haven't come up with a better way to come back. I was gonna say really and really creative. Anyway, thanks to Dylan and Tonya. And to Cooper uh, for coming on in the future. True. Hey, Cooper. Cooper. <laughs> anyway. You're next. That's that's a wrap on Dylan and Tonya. So thank you both for that. And real quick, before we let you go, we're going to Atlanta Poly Weekend. We told you before. We'll tell you again until we already go and then we're back. June 7th to 9th, 2019. In the meantime, we are your one-stop shop for all your sex safety resources. First one, stdcheck.com. You've heard us mention it before if you listen to the podcast, but go and use the links on our web website and you will get $10 off your testing panel. That's awesome. Yes. On top of it's that, it's a great resource. If you want to save 10% off 
of all of your custom fit condoms. Yeah, they have like 66 sizes or more, and it's called My One Condoms. Yep, so you can go straight to their website if you want, or if you don't want to remember that, you can go to our website and go there either way. They don't pay us to say this, but if you use Emma as an offer code, yeah, Emma, you save 10% and get some sweet condoms for your wiener. <laughs> yes. Next week, we have episode 57, which will be an interview with Catherine and Ray. Yeah. Which I'm is... Not, I'm not going to... I don't want to no, spoil it. No, it's amazing. It's a great conversation, and... So we'll see you next week. Yes. 